all those people down there? Do they follow the rules for what? They're letting fear lead them. Our current economic system constrains Americans' options, all while convincing them that their struggles are personal failings. And now, Bernie is saying, it's not your fault. Hello, and welcome to Cars and Comrades, where we talk about car stuff from a leftist perspective. Today's episode will mostly be me rambling on about how Rahm Emanuel is a steaming pile of dog shit and how he ruined the once vibrant Chicago car scene. Uh, quick note uh, in this episode, I said how I lived in Chicago, uh, and what I meant to say was that I live in the Chicago area. So don't get too bent out of shape if you know me and hear that. Uh, it was a mistake. So anyway, uh, this is going to be a two-part episode, so don't be sad when it ends abruptly. And believe me, it will be abrupt. Uh, so buckle up and join us along the road to revolution. And also find us on social media, because we are on some of those. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at cars underscore and underscore comrades underscore podcast. And our Twitter account is at Cars and Comrades. You can also email us at carsandcomrades at gmail.com. Uh, we're happy to hear from listeners, so email us suggestions, complaints, potential topics, or perhaps your own questions that we might address on the air. We don't really know what we're doing yet because we just started this, so who knows what will happen to your email, but uh, you can shoot us a message and find out. Anyway, let's get into our discussion about how Rahm Emanuel sucks. Hi, welcome to Cars and Comrades, the podcast for left leftist politics and car stuff. My name is Bryant. Uh, with me today is Zach. Hello. Brandon. Hi. And Connor. Hi. Uh, let's just talk about what we've been working on this week on our different cars. Um, Zach, are you still waiting on on that uh, weird bolt thing? I am not. It came in today, and I am lazy and haven't worked on it yet, but it's here. It's finally wow. here. So that was Hallelujah. The, yeah. Hallelujah. Praise somebody. Uh, well, that, that only <laughs> took you a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a month, I think, almost to the day uh, since I ordered it the first time. Uh, so, yeah, that was like the whole linchpin of that entire project. It's like one of the deepest into the engine bolts that I took out and it's, you know, holding everything else up. So now that I have that should be ready to rock and roll and slap it all back together. Hopefully get that car back on the road. Good luck, man. Cool. I, I lose momentum when stuff like that happens. I'm, I'm the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really depressing there for a little while. I just kept looking at my car in pieces and that piece of shit bolt that was good for nothing and and getting a little depressed about it but now there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel i think uh maybe maybe month month and a half of solid work and should be driving once again shit if something like that holds you up next time just drop me a message and i'll make you a bolt well shit man can you make a triple square uh heads I don't know what that means. It's the weirdest connector I've ever seen. It's like a star bit plus more points. So it's like an internal 
head, you know, like an Allen or a star bit, but it's got 12 points on it, like three squares. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure Audi is the only one to use it or the Volkswagen group. Most likely there's some there's some real bastards for for doing that. That's that's some that's some capitalist horseshit right there. That's like (laughs) you have to bring it to us to fix it. Wow. Those motherfuckers that that shit drives me nuts. Yeah, that's. There it is, folks. Capitalism. That that's what capitalism is. It's bullshit bolts that don't make fucking sense, and then shipping them wrong. Yeah, that's, it's, that's what people are defending. It's the biggest pile of bullshit ever. Because that one bolt cost me nine dollars. Like, see, that's not a lot standards. of money. That's not a lot of money, but nine dollars is a lot for a single fucking bolt. Like, yeah, that's outrageous. Out that's outrageous. So I could make that bolt for you, but what you just described sounds like it's going to take me like six hours because I'm going to have to like cut a, a special electrode for the EDM machine and shit. So no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that to you. I would not. I do retract that to you, my offer. <laughs> fair. That is completely yeah, fair. See, that's the problem. I believe in having fucking standards where things you know make sense and we all follow a similar design. But no, no, capitalism disagrees, and that is incredibly frustrating i'm sorry zach that sucks well yeah it's it's fine i will make it through nine dollars poorer but i'll make it through (laughs) you know uh sidebar uh brandon when when my shop got an edm machine i always thought it stood for electronic dance music and i was kind (laughs) of disappointed that it was uh electrical (laughs) discharge machining but I mean, you know, I'm sure you could sort something out so that it means both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you could, like, you know, cause the stepper motors or whatever to vibrate at a certain frequency to make some music. Yeah, it makes me think of the adage, everything is a, every machine is a smoke machine if you operate it wrong enough. Yeah. Everything like, is a musical it, instrument if you do it wrong. <laughs> you know, make some noise rock. Yeah. There you go. Well, Brandon, what are you what have you been working on? I know you've been fighting your furnace for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, my house is profoundly broken, so I'm not getting a whole lot of opportunity to do car stuff. But this this week was an, an exception. Uh, last week, I had to do a bunch of work on my van. I put a new starter on it and uh, fixed some like bad connections in the exhaust system, and it, it seems to be running pretty good now. Uh, yesterday, uh, because I couldn't do anything about the heat in my house at the time because I, I had some stuff draining. Um, cause I have radiator heat. Uh, I went to the junkyard, uh, where I own six early Chevy vans that I have been like just slowly tearing apart for the last like four months. I have like an agreement with the, the dude who owns it. It's like a private junkyard. that's open like a few hours a week, but, uh, yeah, I went and cut uh, like a uh, new window channels so I could replace the w- window frame in my early Chevy van. Uh, I got a bunch of parts to sell. I accidentally cut out a dashboard because it was just in the way and I didn't realize how few connections there were. So I've got like just a whole bunch of van parts in the back of my van right now hanging out and ready to either be installed or dropped off or I got to ship some stuff to some other van guys who need parts. So pretty, pretty good distraction from like the shit show going on at my house right now. That was good. Yeah, at least there's something. Yeah, and Connor, you got some shiny new uh, engine parts you showed yeah. us previously. I, I do have some shiny new engine parts. So uh, that's a project for, theoretically, this week. 
Um, but I'm working again, so we're going to see how, how much, uh, how inspired I am to do this in the evenings. But, uh, the plan is to balance my new, um, connecting rods and pistons. So, you know, that involves using a, a cheap little scale, um, which I just looked at the back of. And as I'm looking at it, I'm like, uh, I think the description online might have been a little bit wrong in a very important way. So we're going to test that out and see how that, uh, See how that works, but uh, it may not be as precise as I want. Um, the point being, um, I'm going to weigh each and every piston and connecting rod uh, and associated parts, so the wrist pins as well, and I'm going to try and match them up all as closely as I can so that each cylinder is about the same uh, total reciprocating mass. Uh, whatever I can't quite, you know, get to add up right, uh, I pull out the Dremel tool and I have... Uh, a little bit of fun. So I'm going to shave down the uh, rods and the pistons in certain spots where I can to get them all. If, if, if it's going super well, everything will be balanced down to the nearest hundredth of a gram. That might be a little ambitious though. So <laughs> it'll definitely be balanced to within a tenth of a gram. And I think that's pretty fucking decent. So it should, should come with some smooth operation. Uh, and then of course, when the machine shop puts it in and they do all their stuff to the crankshaft, it'll be, it'll be smooth. It'll be strong. And I won't have nasty vibrations theoretically. So there's that. And then, uh, today I managed to, uh, which was a pain in the ass. I had to drive down to my dad's house to use his computer to put my stock tune back on the car. Cause the, uh, the one I'm using right now is running windows seven. And this, uh, program which by the way looks like it came straight from like windows 98 <laughs> so like the user interface is like looks old school as shit but it needs to run on windows 8 or higher so i'm like oh that's okay i'll use my uh my girlfriend's uh work computer and then i'm trying to do stuff and it's like not recognizing the program and i'm like shit so i need something that's slightly updated from the computer i'm using now and slightly less new or whatever from <laughs> the other one. So, so I had to drive down and go and do this again. When, once I get there and I got the program like already on there from having to do this before to pass emissions. So, you know, it wasn't a huge to do. I just had to go find the stock tune and put it on. That took all of like 10 minutes, but um, yeah, so I got that done. I feel accomplished today. Um, so that, and then hopefully this week balancing, uh, pistons and rods, although I'm sure next week I'll be telling you how I'll be doing it the following week. We'll, <laughs> that's, that's how these things go, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I haven't really done anything on, on my car. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the last uh, episode, but I, my, my Sabaru has a uh, vacuum leak somewhere. At least that's what the engine computer is telling me. And I had built like a little smoke machine thing where you take like a jam jar, you put some baby oil in there, you have a soldering iron that heats it up, and then you get some, some fittings to put the smoke into the intake of the engine, use like a bicycle pump to, to pressurize it. And then you're supposed to be able to see where the smoke comes out. That's where your leak is. And it's worked in the past. Like I've found leaks that way before, but... um uh, it wasn't working last time I tried it, so I don't know. I the I think the jam jar just was just leaking smoke out of it, so I sealed that up with some silicone 
uh, the other day, and I haven't had a chance to use it during daylight hours, which, you know, there's fewer of this time of year. But um, so I need to do that. And then um, I'm not sure if it's something is making noise. I'm not sure if it's piston slap or uh, something in the exhaust is rattling when it's cold. Um, but it makes me think that maybe the engine is not long for this world. And I was talking with Zach, who also has a Subaru that, you know, sort of the options of engine swapping. And I got last night, I, I went down a little internet rabbit hole about, uh, flat six engines, you know, uh, Subaru has made two or three different designs of flat six engines. And, uh, I basically found out it's, it's going to be either too expensive or too impractical to swap one of those in. Like the engine itself isn't all that expensive, but then you got to do like some of the later ones came with drive by wire throttles. Um, the ECU and the wiring is totally different. Um, you know, fuel system, radiator, uh, exhaust, all that kind of stuff you got to change. Uh, so if I do need to swap in a motor, I'll probably just do, uh, a lightly used JDM EJ20 of the same or similar vintage as mine. So just a regular, hold on. Was there a, I'm sorry. Was there a difference in the JDM versions of the motor versus the U S market? For for my motor, I don't think there is. Like, they made a few different versions of the EJ20. Like, I think the the real hot version is the version eight, uh, um, that has a closed deck uh, block, hmm. um, and those can take more boost and more power. Um, but if you just get a run of the mill, you know whatever was in a WRX JDM WRX, it's basically the same as a. USDM WRX, except for the for the later after 2006, they switched to a 2.5 liter for the USDM, uh, which I think is what Zach has, and those are a little bit more expensive, gotcha. uh, just because they're you know bigger displacement and more, more torque, and you know if I wanted to pay almost twice as much, I could you know get a get one of those, but they're I don't know they're not as common for whatever reason. No replacement for displacement, man. Go bigger. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of why I was thinking the the three liter flat six would be a good one, but because if I put headers on it, headers in a tune, it would make make almost as much power as my engine does currently with uh, basically headers in a tune. Well, not headers, but a freer flowing exhaust. Anyways. Um. But it would have more low-end torque. Hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's still running for now. Nothing. No No major, uh, you know, check engine lights on or whatever. All right. Well, All right. Well, Connor, you had something for us, right? I did. I did. So, um... The reason this is this topic's coming up um, is because, uh, you know, of course, with Joe Biden um, going into office, there's a lot of talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Build back better. Yeah. Build back better. That's the I can't wait. I cannot wait to see it. Um, can't wait to get back to brunch, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the pinks of Joe Biden's. um or potential picks have been kind of controversial lately. It's 
been in the news. One name that's popped up a few times, um, so most of our listeners have probably heard it, uh, is Rahm Emanuel. Now, is he like a brunch chef? Yeah, yeah, he's like an iron brunch chef. Um, he, he, <laughs> he is, he's the worst guy, just the worst kind of quote unquote liberal. Um, who well, he thinks, is competing with his brother. Yeah, yeah, that's tough competition there. Um, and the worst type of liberal, you know, we've got to convince, you know, Trump Republicans to be Democrats. And you're like, but that would make us them. Like, don't do that. So um, anyway, guy thinks he's a genius. Um, you've probably seen him around on cable news lately because um, he is kind of trying to get into that punditry world, which is just insufferable. Um and so this guy is like a political creature. So he was Barack Obama's chief of staff um, during, obviously, Obama's administration. He was also, and I didn't even know this, he had a part in the Clinton White House as well. So just every time some neoliberal Democrat gets into office, Rahm Emanuel is just a creature that is right there. Um, so... <clears throat> Rahm Emanuel, while being just awful um, as he is, he was criticized quite heavily for his um, time being mayor of the city of Chicago. And he's most famous for helping the Chicago Police Department cover up the murder of Laquan McDonald. And he is the young black man who was shot 16 times in the back um, by the police as he was running away. Um, and Rahm Emanuel, of course, did his part to protect the police and bury the body cam footage that actually showed what happened. Dude, has so, Chicago ever had a mayor that wasn't a complete piece of shit? No, no. Fun fact, no. And we're going to get into that because the current <laughs> mayor, also a piece of shit, which is just par for the course. Um, well, if you're like looking into leftist politics... Daily comes up like constantly, and that dude was just the worst. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't remember the daily years just because um, I was pretty young and uninvolved um, in politics, but like he was just one of those political families. Um, Chicago is just a political machine in and of itself. Like it is its own, it has its own like sphere of influence. It's this own political machine, and there's never progressives. It's always just like absolute most moderate hacks you can imagine and of course they always focus all the resources on the uh the nice parts of town uh and they leave the struggling parts of the city uh to struggle more and more and more and you know you wind up in a situation where chicago's the butt of jokes because of all the you know shootings and violence and whatnot um all caused of course by the lack of resources that are being pumped into the you know business elites and the fancy neighborhoods and were Rahm the, Emanuel were the Chicago black sites under that wasn't yes. under Rahm Emanuel. Was yes, it? it was. Yes, it was. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> yep. So that was under, um, Rahm Emanuel. Um, and so specifically the reason I'm bringing up Rahm Emanuel on this podcast is he's not going to be in the Joe Biden administration. Um, they finally caved to pressure because the guy is just so toxic. Um, but he was floated for a couple different positions and he was being considered for Department of Transportation head. Now, 
the reason I'm bringing up Rahm Emanuel from my own personal experience living in Chicago is because of what Rahm Emanuel did to ruin the Chicago car scene as his in, during his time as mayor. So while, you know, most leftists would know, you know, at least a little bit about the failures of Rahm Emanuel and yeah, he was a shitty mayor, but one of the things that he did do a lot of was he had this major crackdown on, you know, general hooning around the city. Um, there was all these car meets and stuff um, where people were just having a good time. And he oversaw this big crackdown, um, which ultimately deteriorated the scene and ended up causing more problems. Um, so they were trying to solve this, you know, chaotic scene that was seen as a, a mild public nuisance, but it, you know, because of their actions, things actually got worse and like really got out of control to a point where it's like, now it's only the worst people imaginable going there. <laughs> so it's like, it had kind of the opposite effect. And of course it's still going strong today. So, uh, it didn't work. It just had more police doing more useless shit. Well, it's a, so, it's a good thing that we got uh, uh, Mayo Pete instead of him for the uh, transportation secretary. You know, he's going to do such a good job at uh, bulldozing black neighborhoods to build highways and stuff. Yeah, he's got some he's got some big shoes to fill, um, but I'm sure he's going to take right after Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> so, now, um, was, so um, it, was uh, Blagojevich, was he uh, mayor of Chicago also? No, no, he was just the uh, governor of Illinois. So just one of the few that went to prison. Okay, I think he's actually in prison near where I live no, uh, in Colorado. No, I thought anymore. he got pardoned. He got pardoned. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yep. He got oh, pardoned. By Trump. Shocker. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it's incredible. So, you know, did he, people... did he also uh, pardon uh, Jared Fogle? Because I think he was in the same prison. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Trump and, and Fogel probably had some mutual friends, if we're being real. <laughs> they definitely did some mutual activities, so yeah, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Connor. What were uh, what were you saying there? No, no worries. So, um, I guess where I'd like to start um, is just with a quick synopsis of uh, Rahm Emanuel's time as mayor, from you know a pretty normal perspective. So, like how he was on you know, a lot of the big major points of his uh, mayoral tenure. Uh, and then we'll kind of get into how he specifically um, damaged the car scene. So <clears throat> um, I, I did a little search and uh, one of the places where I, I actually got some good info um, was an intercept article. Um, and this is from May 20th of 2019. So this is right around the time where, um, Rahm Emanuel was leaving as mayor. So he initially began to consider uh, running for a third term as mayor, and he didn't because, well, everyone fucking hates him, um, and he had no chance of winning. So um, the other candidates obviously had a much better chance, and if you're Rahm Emanuel, it would be a huge embarrassment um, to run and lose. So he decided to conveniently not go for a, a third term, but he was very sure to convince everyone that, you know, or, or tried to convince people that 
you know, he would have won and he would have had good things for Chicago, but he just didn't feel like he should run right now um, because he's an asshole. So uh, in an article titled The Definitive Guide for Cable Hosts, Bookers and Editors to the Fraud and Failure that was Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Um, and the little uh, sub sub headline is uh, Rahm Emanuel wants to become a pundit. Uh, his track record of being wrong on everything makes him perfectly qualified for cable news. <laughs> <laughs> Great headline. That's, yeah, that's the intercept for you. <clears throat> Dude, when so, even the mainstream media is just like calling you out like that, then you suck. Well, to be fair, the intercept is maybe not mainstream media, but uh, they're in our camp for sure. But maybe not as like radical as us per se, but. Yeah, I mean, I have I have some criticisms of of the Intercept, but like they do generally good work at exposing uh, terrible people for doing terrible things. Like, yeah, the, they the have good journalism. About, huh? It's good. It's like good old fashioned journalism. Yeah, which I mean, except when they like expose their their sources to the FBI by accident. You know. Yeah, that was uh, that was a misstep. Accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, this was written uh, May 20th, 2019. Um, so this was a little while ago, but uh, this was right as he was leaving office. So uh, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel leaves office Monday after two terms, and America might begin seeing a lot more of him after that. Well, spoiler alert, we did. Um, quite a bit, actually. He came on every cable news show to tell us why Bernie Sanders was wrong about everything and why we needed to listen to Klobuchar or Joe Biden. Um... So he's um, he's already been shopping around for a cable news gig, meeting with executives at CNN and MSNBC, and is represented by his brother Ari's talent agency, which, uh, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> yeah, a little little incestuous there. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, his brother Ari is the guy who's like, hey, you know what? Maybe old people who aren't you know productive enough, maybe they should just die. Um, I'm pretty sure that was that brother. It was one of his brothers. I forget uh, which one. His older brother. I forget what his name was. Yeah, his yeah, cutoff perfectly... was like 74 or 75. And even he was, was like, you can just kill me if I get that old. It's fine. And, <laughs> and trust me, we're, we're, we're counting down the days, bud. Yeah. So <laughs> um, hey, why, why obviously... do tomorrow what you can do today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the guy's I, whole family. I just found right. it just now. It's uh, Ezekiel Emmanuel. And, and the, it's in the Atlantic. Why I hope to die at 75. Yep. Okay. Wow. So this okay. is a different brother. Well, then, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, I'm so he's going to make... Picky. I think all of the Emanuels can die as soon as possible. <laughs> yes, I am in complete agreement. Um, so he's represented by his brother's talent agency. Um, he's making the rounds of cable shows, dispensing advice about how Democrats need to focus on winning over Donald Trump's base. Of course. Um, he's been taking up regular space at the Atlantic, Washington's resting spot for chin-stroking thoughtfulness. Um, <laughs> he's even advised party leaders to drive what I call a tri triangulation, in quotes, uh, using the term for the discredited strategy under which the Clinton administration and a younger Rahm Emanuel pursued punitive welfare reform and mandatory minimum sentences in order to win over Republican voters. He also famously advised grassroots party activists to take a chill pill following Trump's election, while Emmanuel unsuccessfully tried to find common ground with the new administration on infrastructure spending and on limiting police oversight in Chicago. 
What a piece of shit. <laughs> well, of course he wants to limit police oversight. I mean, that we, was his whole thing. That was he, his he whole was the thing. One that wanted, he was the one that wanted to cover up uh, the killing of Laquan McDonald or did it successfully. Laquan McDonald. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's... Yeah. That's exactly his move. That's where he wants to cross the aisle is is the horrible shit that, you know, Republicans already want to do. He's like, yeah, let's do all that terrible stuff. We can meet in the middle (laughs) on all the worst possible things. Exactly. I'm willing uh, to hear him out, man. Minimal police oversight as long as we also have minimal police. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're trying to build a coalition of psychopaths, you know. it's uh... No, that means more policing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, working with Republicans police. is is like building a well, site, so, a, a, whatever. So here, yeah, here's the thing. He's looking for obviously, of course, more police, more police enforcement, and also limited uh, oversight, of course, because you know the oversight that they already have is too much. You know, they need more uh, militarized uh, vehicles and weapons, and and less oversight, of course. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they need to just be able to do what they're doing, man. Just let them go. They don't need any <laughs> kind of supervision. They're killing it out there, literally. <laughs> yeah. Doing great. Um, so the article continues. Uh, Emmanuel has a set of talking points to claim a variety of accomplishments for his mayorality. Um, and he's even writing a book on why mayors rule the world, which is the title of the book. Uh, though one oh, local Christ. pundit. Yeah, though one local pundit says the book sounds more like a revisionist memoir about an egomaniac's eight years in office building his personal brand and the fancy part of town while letting down struggling Chicagoans, which is a pretty apt description of given what, you know, the, the little bit that I do know. Um, so uh, the article continues, a national audience deserves to know though what those of us in Chicago have already figured out. Emmanuel's mayoral administration is littered with failures and false claims, and the recent elections in Chicago represents a complete repudiation of the Emmanuel years. The new mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, was one of Emmanuel's foremost critics on police reform. Now, this is where I got to interject. Lori Lightfoot, not working out very well in that respect. Uh, She's already covering up for um, the police uh, as, you know, National attention has shifted in the last couple weeks here um, for her covering up the, you know, police abuse videos that were like body cam, you know, videos of them just like torturing a woman in her home when the police raided her house incorrectly because they went to the wrong house, which happens apparently all the time. Um, So they just like. It was just hours of them like berating this poor woman and Lori Light. And this happened, by the way, under the Rahm Emanuel administration. And Lori Lightfoot, his supposed critic, was actually covering this up when she could have just like gained some points by letting it out. Since she had no responsibility for it whatsoever. Um, she's also. Yeah, didn't she kind of come in as like trying to be kind of a reformer type? Isn't yeah. that what her campaign so, was all about? Um, activists kind of knew pretty early on. Um, it was between her and, uh, another woman named Tony Preckwinkle. Um, I was looking around, uh, Tony Preckwinkle, (laughs) another, you know, she was the more establishment candidate and Lori Lightfoot was billing herself as this like progressive. Wait, Um, Lori Lightfoot wasn't the establishment candidate. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, God, Lori Lightfoot was on like a police oversight board or something. So this is why she was so critical of Emmanuel and, oh, I'm against, you know, police abusing whatever. And she gets into office and she's like just as bad. Um, so famously during uh, the George Floyd protests, um, when people were downtown in Chicago, um, you know, making themselves heard, what she specifically did was raised the bridges. I forget what time it was, but it's like Chicago is divided by like the Chicago river and stuff. And there's like portions of Chicago that like, if you raise the bridges, people can't get out. So they raised, they started raising the bridges. Then they declared um, a curfew. And so anyone in the area could be arrested. Uh, and they started kettling protesters and all that. Um, so she empowered the police to like, do this and the curfew wasn't even declared before they raised the bridges so like she was purposely fact, trying to the, get people caught the only time i've ever tried to run from the police in my life was in on a motorcycle in chicago when i didn't know that there were drawbridges <laughs> <laughs> don't recommend zero out of five stars <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a story we're going to have to go into a little bit later, too. <laughs> That's basically the whole story, but it does involve me just riding back and forth along a lot of streets looking for how to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> they can't really um, chase you when they're stuck in the same traffic you are. That's true. Yeah, the motorcycle definitely makes that uh, makes that better. So anyway, I wanted to uh, interject. <laughs> you know, Lori Lightfoot has been a pretty miserable fucking failure and has been basically the opposite of what she billed herself as. And she was the, you know, critic of Emmanuel. And so people were hoping she'd be better. And she's just as bad, if not worse. Um, uh, somehow, which is truly, truly shocking. Um, of course, activists knew before the election they kind of just said well we're not really going to endorse anybody we're not going to tell you who to vote for because uh they both suck um so the activists on the ground knew uh anyway so uh back to the article the new mayor Lori lightfoot was one of emmanuel's foremost critics on police reform alderman patrick o'connor emmanuel's city council floor leader a 40-year incumbent was one of several top mayoral allies who were defeated in o'connor's case by a young latino Democratic Socialist. What was that? Sorry, uh, Alderman is like a city council member, right? Yeah, pretty much. So there's okay. all these like wards in Chicago, um, and an alderman is like it's kind of like the mayor of that ward in a way, but like they they basically sit on the city council. So like, huh. yeah, it's like I guess they're legislators in a way. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Alderman Patrick O'Connor, Emanuel City Council floor leader, 40 year old, he was defeated. So, he was defeated by a young Latino Democrat, Democratic Socialist. Um, so, mean, which I think there's like three in City Council now. Um, I'd have to double check that. But um, we, it was 20, I think it was 2018 or 2019. I can't remember now. Um, but it was at whatever, that same election, um, we, we had a few democratic socialists win which was good cool um seemingly um so meanwhile have emmanuel's they, finance committee on chair, some stuff is that why you're saying that uh you know what i i just i'm i'm somewhat ignorant um i don't know okay. enough about like what they've done necessarily so that you know um i can't say specifically but like you know they're probably better than what was there before <laughs> 
Dude, I will shit on a democratic socialist every given opportunity. But I mean, you know, sometimes they're not like there. There's a, a, yeah. a high profile judge in my town that's a democratic socialist, and he's reduced evictions by like something like sixty percent. So, you know, credit they, where credits do. Yeah, I think there's you know a lot to be said. And this is a you know pretty broad topic. Um, I, I think it's cool that like, hey, you can improve people's lives now. That's great. They also seem to do a pretty good job in getting people interested in more radical ideas. Um, so I think that there's some utility there as well. Yeah, like I've uh, in Denver, there's uh, Candy Sudabaka on the city council who is a DSA member and endorsed by the DSA. Uh, and then there's also uh, Juan Marcano in um, Aurora. But then there's a couple other people, I forget their names, uh, that are DSA members that were not endorsed by the DSA, but they're still mm -hmm. using that membership as sort of a, a way to show their progressive bona fides or whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, even though they're not necessarily um, doing their job in that, in that lens, but um, hmm. yeah, Candy Sidabaka, she's a, a kick-ass uh, person, you know, I think she identifies more as an anarchist, uh, but she's uh, willing to work with the DSA. So that's hey, that's, that's cool. a little Denver local stuff going on there. Very nice. Very nice. Um, anyway, uh, let me so let me go through real quick a few of the highlights um, here before I get into the um, what he did with the car scene. Um, so. Uh, one of the biggest controversies of Emanuel's first year in office was his closing of half the city's public mental health clinics, uh, most of them on the south side. So for those Did who don't live... you just fucking say half? Half. Literally wow. fucking half. Um, God damn. So this is... So, of course, while we're all calling for defund the police and put in resources um, that, like, are not police, he was closing those specific fucking resources. Um... And, of course, most of them were on the south side, and the south side is, like, the uh, very predominantly, well, yeah, calling it predominantly black would be um, kind of an understatement, um, because in Chicago, redlining was, like, done very explicitly, like, through even the 90s and, to some extent, today. So, Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in the country, um, you know, of course... Uh, northern liberal city um super fucking redlined um so it's kind of not i hate to say it's not a surprise that that's where they would be shuttering resources but fucking naturally um that's kind of how these things go unfortunately um so people were rightfully pissed off um and so he closed half the um health clinics uh, while patients were supposed to be referred to the remaining six clinics hundreds fell through the cracks for months protesters from the mental health movement uh, disrupted emmanuel's public appearances they sat outside the mayor's office and occupied one of the clinics slated for closing they probably succeeded in preventing emmanuel from closing the rest of the clinics in subsequent years so it took this like huge effort on behalf of activists to prevent them from making it even fucking worse. Um, 
The first round of closings went through, uh, and a study published a few years later by the Collaborative for Community Wellness found that Chicago's southwest side had 0.17 licensed mental health clinicians per 1,000 residents, and that's compared to 4.45 per 1,000 in the wealthy near north side. So yeah, I need more mental health technicians like personally than they were allowing for like a thousand people. Yep. Yep. So, you know, of course this speaks to all the kinds of issues that people have been talking, especially this past year. Um, here it is playing out, you know, in very real time. Um, unfortunately. So, so he closed half of them, but he wanted to do more. And the only reason yeah. why he yep. didn't was activists. Yeah, wow. he was getting he was getting strong pressure um, from activists to discontinue making things worse. But of course, the damage was done on the south side um, naturally. Wow. Yep. Um, so then uh, we get into uh, the environmental crisis uh, in an austerity push during his first year in office. Emmanuel eliminated the city's Department of Environment. What oh, good. A... <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden couldn't wait to get this guy. Um, so in typical Dude, I, I used style. to drive tractor trailers, and I remember delivering to Chicago. Y'all need that department so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's bad. There are um, some like environmentally speaking, there are some rough fucking parts in that city. Absolutely. Now, you know, I will say it's not the worst I've seen, um, but it's it's bad enough. There should be a department of the environment in every city. Please. It's closer to worst <laughs> than it is best. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, debatable in, in some sense. Um, but more on that later. <laughs> yep, fair enough. I'm talking up my ass. I don't know. Um, so in typical manual style messaging, which is often just a little too clever, he said the point was to make the environmental sustainability the goal of every department. Uh, so, of course, yeah, yeah, that's... That sounds like a liberal. Um, so, <laughs> um, it just sounds like I don't know something a, a kindergarten teacher would say to like get the kid to put down the scissors or something like that. I don't know. It's like some reverse psychology bullshit. Yeah. So, Why would you have one department doing a good job when you could have a hundred departments doing a bad job? <laughs> or like uh, what was that? Um, that libertarian CEO of Sears that like. Got God all the it. departments competing against each other. Who is that guy? I don't. You said libertarian, so I don't know. I just assume he's in jail <laughs> in jail for child pornography at this point. <laughs> I just remember that whole thing being hilarious, like how his Ayn Rand uh, bullshit like totally tanked the company, and like you could see it coming from a mile off. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It wasn't Ayn Rand's fault. He, they just didn't let the free market operate the way it's supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. gotta, gotta, you know, just make everything a transaction. Like, you know, even within a corporation. I don't know. Uh, read, read the People's Republic of Walmart if you want to know more about that kind of stuff. God damn, I don't <laughs> think I do. <laughs> no, no, it's a good book. Never mind. Oh, Sorry. I believe you. I don't think it's disinteresting. <laughs> I think I don't want to know more. No, no, no. It has good examples in there too, but uh, it 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 just it takes that as a counterexample to like how a command economy works. Like like they're they're holding up 
um, the planning and logistics that like Walmart and Amazon and the U.S. military do as a a model for like the larger economy. Uh, and they take Sears as a counterexample as how, you know, free market and competition will totally fuck you over if you're trying to do it at a well at any scale, really, but especially at the scale of a corporation. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. That's another story. Fine. I'll read your book. <laughs> it's not my book. <laughs> You're recommending it. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so anyway, so when he, he gets rid of the, uh, you know, Department of Environment, so he gets rid of this, uh, says, hey, everybody's goal should be uh, to be good to the environment. Um, so then the article continues. Then came a devastating environmental scandal, which is the perfect sentence to follow that bit. <laughs> um, Emmanuel had begun a series of increases to homeowners' water and sewer fees. They've essentially doubled in subsequent years, with thousands of homeowners facing water shutoffs um, to, to finance replacement of the city's aging water mains. In 2013, the EPA warned that the work could increase lead levels in tap water by disturbing service... Uh, lines to homes due to the plumbers union clout um, with the democratic machine chicago required that service lines connecting homes to the city's water pipes be made of lead until the mid-1980s decades after other cities had banned the toxic metal they they required they be made of lead so wait and lead is bad yeah so (laughs) this is the but they put in gasoline Um, you know, so this is, of course, the problem where you have unions that are, um, that aren't revolutionary at all. This is after they have obviously purged every socialist and communist, uh, and anybody who gives a shit. Um, so you purge all those people from unions and what you get is people who make nice contracts with, with the bosses and decide that, Hey, everyone needs to have lead in their fucking pipes until apparently the mid eighties. Um, so yeah, there, there's some there's some downsides there, um, and yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, did so it that just was make a... it easier for them to like solder the pipes together or something? You know, I think it was because it w- there was a certain way of like, oh, you work with it this particular way, and um, they're used to doing that kind of service. Whereas I'm sure like you have to do different things um, in order to switch over. If I had uh-huh. to guess, lead was probably a lot harder to work with, but they were willing to make the sacrifice yes. as long as they poisoned all of their citizens. <laughs> well, the, the thing that about was really having the something goal that's more difficult to work with... <laughs> well, you know, it, it's like sometimes having a thing that's like more difficult to work with kept more work with the union. Um, so that's kind of where it's like, well, they're the only ones who can touch it, and it takes them, you know, there's more maintenance required. So it's good in terms of getting work for people um but it comes at the cost of putting lead into people's homes go ahead if i were to wager a guess um it would just be that that's what they're used to you know i think yeah weird fun fact the the word plumber comes from the old term for lead which is plum bum which is why lead has Hmm. the atomic symbol of pb so plumber literally just means lead worker you so ain't special. I, think, I knew that. You know what? I knew that you knew <laughs> I it. Did not. I was just, uh, I yeah, was I, refreshing I'll... it for Connor and the listeners. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. We might have listeners. 
Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah, both let's, of them. Let's be generous and say listener. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a weird Jeopardy fact that I know. So one day when I get on Jeopardy, I'm gonna rock all the plum bum questions. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, that would be my guess. They were just, you know, they're lead workers. That's where the term comes from. And it's just easier. It's just easier to keep things the same. And they're like, oh, changes yep. that make things safer for, for people. Let's not do that. No, that's that's extra work. We're just going to keep doing it the way that we do it. Dude, if, if we're talking about this specifically, my fun little fact is they have, like, definitively linked the reduction, like, eliminating lead and gasoline to a de- decrease in violence, like, every year after the they completely banned leaded gasoline. That's like, oh. if you look at a, a graph of, of leaded gasoline compared to violence in society, like, they're directly correlating. Oh, man, I'm going to plug another it, podcast here. But um, Jake Flores, who's on uh, site or uh, not citations needed um, pod damn America and why you mad. Uh, he has a whole theory about Joe Biden being exposed to lead paint. Cause he like grew up in the town where DuPont was located. <laughs> and that's uh... why he has like mush brain and he has to eat ice cream all the time because he got Dude, lead paint brain as a child a with a DuPont plant. Is that why I'm all fucked up? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I, I'm not a professional, but I'm going to go with yes. But I mean, like in your unprofessional diagnosis, is it because I live near a DuPont factory? In my unprofessional diagnosis? Absolutely. That's a hundred percent it. It's DuPont that did it. That's all I need. I'm calling into work tomorrow. <laughs> Can't come Beautiful. in. I got lead poisoning. I'll write you a note. I'll write you a note. There's cool. that um there's another podcast uh the the dollop did an episode uh, I forget the guy's name I'm trying to look it up right now that um that invented leaded gasoline um also invented um chlorofluorocarbons the refrigerant that uh killed the um ozone layer put the hole in the ozone layer hmm. Oh perfect. Um Hey and, if we're um, talking about like lead did you know that you can also use it to sweeten wine? Yeah. Um <laughs> Those Roman emperors uh, really, really had a hankering for that. Dude, I sweeten all my wine with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like they had this factory where they'd make the uh, the ethyl uh, gasoline, um, and they called it the um, like the butterfly house because people would hallucinate uh, butterflies flying around. Um, Yikes! It was uh, Thomas uh, Mid Midgley Junior. Was the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, so they would like this shit was so toxic. The people in the factory building uh, making it would would hallucinate and like die and shit. Um, but they all hallucinated uh, butterflies. No, I don't know. I I mean, this okay. was in the 30s. I don't know if what the that's what just what they called it. I assumed this was firsthand information from that time that you imagined all those butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, so yeah, check out the dollop episode of uh, Thomas uh, Midgley Jr. He's he's been called the single person that had the most environmental impact on the earth, um, and he also uh, died from a uh, from an invention uh, that he invented himself. So uh, he got his own revenge on himself. <laughs> well, what a title! Yeah. <laughs> 
Connor, what else you got for us? <laughs> All right. How, so, how did Rahm Emanuel actually hit hit the Chicago car scene? Right now, you've just explained to us why he's a huge piece of shit. So, yeah. So he's uh, obviously huge piece of shit. Um, let me go through his uh, effect uh, on sorry. policing for legal and purposes. Then... Allegedly, a huge piece of shit. <laughs> no, I think so, we can say I, we. I think the the libel laws are okay if we just say that he's a huge huge piece of shit well if you say that like, to me i'm liable to say all sorts of shit <laughs> <laughs> well we may have to get into the uh process of uh uh you know bleeping things out here and there where uh where yeah. needed but <laughs> i'm i'm not a lawyer either so don't listen to what i have to say i'm actually working up to the process to the point where like everything i say has to be bleeped out that'll be good listening <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's Welcome get into Cars and Comrades here. with three hosts and a lot of beeping noises. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a comprehensive list of everyone I know that can go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, with on top of everything else here, uh, we've got kind of his his uh, Rahm Emanuel's effect on uh, policing, uh, which segues kind of into how policing enforcement changed the Chicago car scene. So um, while, uh, while education controversies uh, defined Emanuel's first term, his second term has been consumed with police scandals following the release of video that showed the official narrative about the police shooting of Laquan McDonald in 2014 was a lie. Policing is one of the few failures of Emanuel's tenure that has gotten national attention. Suffice it to say it was even worse than it seemed. Indeed, it was the day before McDonald's killer, Officer Jason Van Dyke, went on trial that Emanuel announced he would not seek a third term. A jury found Van Dyke guilty of second-degree murder. Uh, indeed, the candidate elected to succeed Emanuel was one of his sharpest critics throughout the process. Lori Lightfoot was Emanuel's police board president and headed a mayoral task force which went far beyond Emanuel's intentions in highlighting systemic racism and lack of accountability in the police department. Over the following two years, Lightfoot repeatedly called out Emanuel for slow walking reform. Certainly, prospects um, for police reform in Chicago improved dramatically by Emanuel's replacement. <sighs> Sigh. <clears throat> uh, didn't work out that way. Um, if Rahm Emanuel starts showing up on your screens more frequently in coming months, um, advice of many Chicagoans would be don't believe the hype. Well, that was part one of our two-part discussion. Part two is a little more specifically related to the actual car scene in Chicago, so uh, check it out next. Remember to find us on social media stuff. Uh, we post spicy memes and such. Uh, just search our name and you'll hopefully find us. So, thanks for listening. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. 
Uh, it's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy. The billionaires and the Bolsheviks. Ha 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 ha!